First of all, I was going to speak about what to do when you experience anxiety, but then I changed my mind and I decided to speak on 1 Samuel chapter 17. And then yesterday afternoon I heard that Pastor Tim spoke on it last Sunday. <laughs> but uh, I'm at that stage of life, I cannot always change too quickly. But the wonderful thing that I want to share with you from the same chapter is facing a giant problem. Facing a giant problem. You see, all Scripture has one meaning, but many applications. All Scripture has one meaning, but many applications. So we can read a verse of Scripture or a passage of Scripture. It has one meaning, but we can apply it to different things in our lives. And so that's why I'm going to do this this morning, when you face a giant problem. Now I'm not going to read 1 Samuel chapter 70, maybe most of you remember, but I'm just going to recap a little bit on that story, and then I'm going to bring out four points this morning that I trust will help you and will help me when we face giant problems. The book of Samuel chapter 17 is the story of David and Goliath. And most of us have heard that story when we were little children. It's a well-known classic uh, about this little boy who kills this big giant. Now, actually what happened, um, Saul was king of Israel. Now, actual fact, God was the king of Israel. But the people of Israel began to look at the other nations and they saw that they had visible kings in charge of them. And so they also wanted a visible king. And so God raises up Saul and, he, uh, 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 Saul and he gives them King Saul. But later on, Saul did a, he did a great job, but later on he no longer relies on God. And so God decides to replace him. And he picks a young man who is the son of a man by the name of Jesse. God sends the prophet Samuel over to Jesse's house to go and to ordain or anoint the new king of Israel. When the prophet gets to Jesse's house, Jesse brings out all his sons, and Samuel, the prophet, looks at them, but everyone is rejected by God. And then he asks uh, Jesse, do you, have any, do you have any more sons? He said, yes, there's one out in the field looking after the sheep. And the prophet tells him, bring the boy, and they bring David. David was a shepherd's boy. A shepherd's boy, or those who looked after the sheep, was the lowest kind of job you could do at that particular time. And so David comes and God says, this is the man. And so the prophet anoints David to become king of Israel. Right at the very early age, at the age of approximately, say, 16 years old, David already experienced the problem of rejection. Because yeah, his father brings all the sons to be, to be interviewed by the prophet of God, and he forgets David out in the field. He overlooks David. He didn't think David was good enough. He didn't think that David would ever be the man that God would anoint it. But God's ways are not our ways. And God anoints David to become king of Israel. Now, because God anointed him, it doesn't mean the next day he was going to step into uh, that uh, position. It, be, it took many years because David had to have experience. He had to walk with God and talk with God and know God before God put him out in public. And so for many years, he remained a shepherd's boy and then eventually became the arm bearer of King Saul. And then after that, God brings him out 
in public and becomes one of the greatest kings that Israel has ever known. But when he was young still, his father says to him, one day, I want you to take some food to your brothers who are in the military. Uh, Israel was preparing for battle against the Philistines, and all of David's brothers were, some of David's brothers were in the, the army. So David goes over, he takes the food to his brothers, uh, and as he walks around there, he hears a cry coming from across the valley. And he looks and he sees something he's never seen before. A very, very big man, a giant. And what this giant was doing, he was challenging Israel to battle. He's saying, send me a man. And, be, and they would fight it out and whoever wins, the others would become their servants. And then David looks and he says, nobody responds from Israel. Not one man steps out to take on the battle. And so David goes and he offers himself to, king, uh, to, the, to the king. And the king finally says, okay, that he can go. And so David uh, takes a few stones. He goes out, he throws a stone. He kills the giant and takes off his head and, and lifts it up in victory. Uh, and the thing about that is when David lifted up the head of the giant that he had just killed, all of Israel entered into his victory because they began to pursue the Philistines and they wiped them out. You see, David's victory was their victory. And right there, there's a great picture for all of us who are in Christ Jesus. On Calvary 2,000 years ago, the Bible says Jesus made an open shame of the devil. He stripped him of all his power and his authority. He conquered death in the grave. He rose triumphantly on the third day and said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys to hell and death. He defeated the giant, Satan, at Calvary. Therefore, you and I, who are in Christ today, can walk in victory in this present world. And so there basically, amen. There basically is the, the story. And the four points I want to share with you this morning. The first thing is, we need to replace fear with faith. Now what happened when the giant came out and he challenged Israel? And what they did, uh, they, they would each one send out a champion and they would fight the fight. But Israel never sent out a champion. And this giant comes and he challenges Israel. These people... Israel were in covenant relationship with God. They were God's people. Not only that, the giant challenged them on ground that rightfully belonged to them. And the sad thing is what happens, the Bible says that when the giant challenged them, they were so afraid and they fled. So for 40 days, the giant would come out, they would be camping, they're getting ready for battle, and then when he opens his mouth, they would flee and they would run away. You see, they were gripped with fear. This man put fear into their hearts. And you and I live in a world where there's much trouble. We have a lot of trouble in our own personal lives. We have marital troubles. We have financial troubles. We have troubles at work. They're all around us. There is trouble all the time. But maybe you're this morning and you have a giant problem that you're facing. A giant problem has come into your life and you don't know what to do. And this problem is bringing fear into your heart and into your mind. I want you to know this morning that fear is a terrible thing. 
Fear torments us. Look at people today who are gripped by fear. They're forever shaking. They're forever uh, uh, depressed uh, because fear brings them into bondage. Fear paralyzes you. Fear stops you from doing what God wants you to do. Fear stops you from stepping out and doing great things in the name of the Lord. Fear brings into bondage. And the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. It says perfect love casteth out all fear. And so if God does not give us a spirit of fear, who gives us the fear? Who brings us into the bondage of fear? It is the enemy, Satan. Sometimes we take fear by choice. And because of that, we go through uh, terrible things. There's no peace in our hearts. Uh, we're not satisfied with anything. We get paralyzed because fear paralyzes you and stops you doing from the things that you have been accustomed to do. So fear is a terrible thing. And, and I'm a little bit concerned when I look at Halloween and, and, and many of the movies today, the terrible things that are presented to children. And people think, oh, it's all just okay. But listen, there is a thing called fear. And it can take hold of a child's life. And for the rest of their life, they can be in bondage of that fear. If you're here this morning and you have a spirit of fear, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus that today you will be delivered and set free from that bondage. Now, we have to do something about fear. We have to replace it with faith. You see, uh, they, they, they trembled with Fear when a giant came, but David never turned. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should dare defy the armies of the living God? He had no fear. Why? Because he had a tremendous relationship with the Lord. All the time that he was out in the field looking, at, uh, looking after the sheep, he was talking to God. In fact, David wrote that great psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they do comfort me. You see, as a young boy, his faith began to build because of his relationship with God. And so the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. We need to hear God's word. We need to read God's word. We need to love God's word. But there's something more than just hearing. You see, that's the problem. Many times our faith doesn't develop, it doesn't grow, and the reason is because we just hear, but we don't do. Jesus said, he that heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. He says, the rains descended, the wind blew, and it beat upon that house, but it stood because it was founded upon a rock. He says, those that hear my sayings and don't do them, I will liken the foolish man who built his house upon sand. He says, the rain descended, the floods came, the wind blew, beat upon that house, and great was the fall of that house because it was built upon sand. So faith comes by hearing. We have to, as Christians, we have to make sure that we sit under God's Word, that we hear God's Word so that our faith can develop. And, and when we face these big giants, we won't be in the bondage of fear, but rather we're able to step out in faith and in the name of the Lord do great things. Now, the Bible speaks about great faith and men who had great faith. When Jesus uh, was in that storm and he said to Peter, come to me, Peter steps out of the boat. And I want you to notice when you read that, he didn't step out of the boat onto calm water. He stepped out on waves. It was because of faith that he was able to do that. 
And, and the moment he took his eyes uh, off Jesus and he looked at the storm, he began to sing. That's tremendous faith. In the Old Testament, we see Elijah call fire from heaven. That was great faith. We see Gideon uh, say to the sun and the moon to stand still, and it stands still. That is great faith. Moses opens the Red Sea with the, with the rod. It's all great faith. Their faith and their trust was in God. But there is another uh, three boys who also show us faith, which is a down-to-earth faith, which all of us should uh, uh, pursue. All of us should uh, pray that we have that kind of faith in our lives. And it is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three Jewish lads. The king of the land builds a, a, a statue of himself and everybody is told to bow to that thing. Now God said you don't bow to any idol. And they knew that. Uh, but they had a relationship with God. And so they say if you, if you, bow, if you don't bow, you'll be cast into uh, a, a fiery furnace. And so these three young guys, they decide not to bow. And so they go and report to the king and they brought before the king. And the king says, why won't you bow? They said, uh, we will not bow. Uh, even though we, they've been threatened with a fiery furnace heated seven times hotter than ever before, they say to him, we will not bow. Our God is able to deliver us. You hear? Able to deliver us. But if not, we still will not bow. That is faith. They were saying, listen, we won't bow. This, this giant is in front of us. We're not afraid of it. And, and if God doesn't remove it, God has another plan or another purpose. And you know what happened when they went into that fiery furnace? There was a fourth man. And that man was Jesus himself with them in the fiery furnace. Hallelujah. Now, that is faith. And we have to build our faith. We have to believe God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We step out in faith. We trust God. We believe God. God never fails us. God has never let us down. Uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus said we must have faith in God. And so when you face a giant problem, have faith in God. Maybe God's not going to remove the problem, but He's definitely going to give you victory over the problem. He'll bring you through the problem. He has a purpose. He has a plan. Maybe He wants you to learn something in the midst of that giant problem that you're facing right now. Or maybe He wants to bring you through so that you can help others who are in the same boat. Listen, you have to trust in the Lord. We have to learn how to wait on God, not to expect everything to come right in a moment, but to wait on the Lord. We must trust God. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Yes, they that wait upon the Lord. And so let our faith grow. Let our faith develop. Don't just get your ears tickled. Don't just enjoy nice messages. Take the Word of God and apply it to your life so that your house can be built upon a solid foundation. And so the very first thing, we must make sure that we have faith in God. You know, the Bible says, um, he, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because whoever, whosoever comes to him must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Stand on the promises of God. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have you in the palm of my hand. No man shall pluck you out. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the, in the world. He says, when you walk through the fire, you will not burn. When you go through the water, you will not drown. But you will behold the salvation 
of your God. God is for us and not against us. God will give us the victory. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us and died for us on the cross. Hold on to the promises of God. Stand on the promises of God. Build your life as a life of faith. Always believe in God, irrespective of how the circumstances look, irrespective of how big the giants are that we face. Put your trust in God because God is greater and bigger than any giant problem that you and I could possibly face today. Amen. The second thing is you got to refuse to be discouraged. Refuse to be discouraged. I've been in the ministry for quite a number of years. Uh, quite a number. <laughs> Somebody knows something that I don't know. But anyway. And uh, I've seen so many people discouraged. They're on fire for God. They, they work and they're functioning in the body. And all of a sudden, they're gonna, they've been discouraged. I got discouraged. The pastor discouraged them. Or somebody else discouraged them. People get discouraged so easily. And you've got to be careful. Don't be discouraged. David was an errand boy. Forty days, Goliath challenges the Israelites. And he goes and he says to the king that he will fight. And he goes. And his brother hears him and says, Eli heard him speaking with the men and burned with anger. His brother burns with anger because he's speaking to the people. And he says, why have you come down here? Who did you leave the sheep with? I know how conceited you are and how weak, the wickedness in your heart. You came only to watch the battle. He gets a rebuke from his brother, his oldest brother, because maybe the brother was jealous. He wasn't chosen to be king. But nonetheless, he rebukes him and he tries to discourage him. Who are you? What are you doing here? You know, when I came to South Africa, I mean, from South Africa to America many, many years ago, someone said, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are when you're going to America? they got thousands of ministers there. You won't even get a church. Who do you think you are? Well, I, I never thought of who I was, but I was listening to the voice of the Lord. And the Lord has blessed us. And so you can easily be discouraged. I could have been discouraged that time. I said, look, to my wife, I said, let's forget going. I could have done it, but I know that I was in the perfect will of God. So Elam tried to discourage David uh, uh, because of that. And it, the, you know, one of the great weapons of the devil is fear. Fear. That's why Jesus continuously says, fear not. Fear not. But also discouragement. How many people throw in a towel? Why is it that people serve God for such a long time and then something happens and they get discouraged and everything that they've gained is lost? Every step they've taken forward, now they take steps backward because it's discouragement. We must be careful of discouragement. Look what the scripture says. And the Lord is he who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. God will go with us every step of the way. Don't let people discourage you. Don't let churches or anything like that discourage you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It is Jesus that saved you. It is Jesus that is changing your life. And it is Jesus who's coming back for you. Keep your eyes on Him. He alone is the author and the finisher of your faith. David refused to be discouraged, even though his brother tried to talk him down. He went out to fight the battle. The third thing I want you to remember when you face giant problems is 
Remember past victories. David, he's a young boy. He goes to the, 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 the king and he says, I will fight Goliath. And the king looks at me and says, who are you? You're a young boy. You, you've got no experience, no training. He says, no. He says, there was a time a bear and a lion came against my father's sheep. And I slew them. And I took uh, the lamb from them. You see, David had a testimony. Da da David had, can look back and, and see in the past how God came through for him. Uh, there in the field, watching after the sheep, a lion and a, and a bear came against him and he slew them. He's a, he, he's a giant killer. So he, his faith is built in God and he has a testimony of the faithfulness and the power of God. Folk, we as Christians, we've got a testimony. We can look back. The problem with many of us, we're always looking back at the negative stuff. We're looking at the, the bad experiences we've had. We, we're looking at the terrible things that have happened. Listen, this is a new day. Let go of the past. Begin to walk in the newness of life. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. All the old things pass away and everything becomes new. Don't let those things hold. Look back at the great things God has done for you. You know, we, we, we've, we, throughout the ministry, my wife and I, we've gone through many, many things. Deep waters. We faced many giants. But every time I can look back and again and again and again, God has come through for us. And I could say to myself, who am I? I'm just an ordinary person, yet God has been so faithful. God has done so many great things for us. You see, all of us are important to the Lord. You don't have to have a big name. You don't have to have a big church. You don't have to have a big ministry to be important to God. Every single person counts with God. We've got a testimony. We can look back. We can look back and see great things. And I, I want to give you just one quick example before I go to my last few points. Years ago, in Norwood, I, this, I, I planned to plant a church here in Attleboro. And I came up here to look for a place. And I looked all, all over the place. And then I saw this place where the gym is, just down the road here. The place was empty, but it's a massive building. You know that. And, and at that time, our church was also still quite small. I went back and I told the leaders at that particular time that I think that's a place for us to go and start a church. I really feel that I want to take a step of faith and trust God and start a church there. They said, no, it'll never work. Where's the money going to come from? No, it'll never work. And you know what? I started a church. We started in, in, in Doug and Joni's house, a small little group of people coming together, then in a bookstore, and, and then in the theater pub, and then in a school, and then we landed up right in the very first place that I saw. You see, God is faithful. I can look back and I see that's what God did. He took, a little, he took me a, a, us around a little circle, but nonetheless, He brought us to the very place that I felt in my heart He has promised. Listen, we've got to learn to walk on water. We've got to have faith in God because when we have faith in God, we can go places, and when we get there, we can do great things in the name of the Lord. Amen. So remember, when you look behind you, look at the breaking of bread, the communion. Some call it the Eucharist. I call it what the Bible calls it. It's the breaking of bread. It says, when we break that bread, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me until I come. What do we remember? We look back to Calvary. There, there the Son of God is crucified, shedding His blood for the sins of the world. But that's not the end of it. It is there in His finest moment when He makes an open shame of the devil. 
It is there when he dies and is buried and rises triumphantly and, and destroys the power of the devil. Jesus said, for this purpose has the Son of God been manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He strips him of his authority. He strips him of his power and he takes charge. So we look back. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. Uh, and his victory is our victory. Lift up your head. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't let anybody dis discourage you. Build your life on faith. Believe God's word. And when God tells you to do something, even if everybody else tells you not to do it, do what God tells you to do. He is faithful. He will come through for you. And the last point is rejoice in advance of the victory. You know, uh, people have done that many times. In, in, in years past, people used to do strange stuff. They used to look for a building, and they say that, God, we want this building to start a church, and then they would march around it several days. I think if we do it today, people will think we're crazy. Nonetheless, there's nothing wrong with it. You, you see, you start rejoicing. When you ask and trust God for something, you begin to rejoice about the victory before you see it. That is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that's what David, David goes out, he goes out to fight the giant. The giant looks at him and says, am I a dog? You come to me with a stick. David looks, he says, you come to me with a sword and with a shield and, with, and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. This day, I will take your head off. And I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And all these people will know that there is a God in Israel. And what does he do? He runs out towards the giant. He was already rejoicing in the victory. He only had a few stones. But he runs out. And he throws the giant with a stone. And of course, he kills him. You see, David was rejoicing before he experienced victory. David knew that as he ran out to face that giant, the very God that he served was greater than the giant. He doesn't see the giant, but he sees the God behind the giant. And, and David goes out, and of course, a great thing happens. He cuts off uh, the giant's head. It's a bit of a gory thing today in our society to talk like that. He carries the head to uh, have a little joy in his victory. Uh, it's not so nice to say that, but it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. That's what they say. A guy did me a job at my house, and he didn't do such a good job. And I said to him, I don't think this thing's right. He said, it is what it is. <laughs> so I thought later on when I pay my baby $100 less, and he'll say it's less, I'll say, it is what it is. <laughs> Amen. Biblical faith is trusting God in advance. In advance. You see, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're trusting God. We have faith in God and we begin to rejoice. And sometimes when we face a giant problem and we're trusting God, we've uh, changed our fear into faith, we're trusting God, we need to begin to sing. We need to begin to praise God. Praise God and thank Him for the victory before we see it. Because it's going to happen. God is a faithful God. Amen? Amen. Praise His lovely name. We love you, Lord. And so David overcame and uh, a giant problem. And so if you're facing a giant problem today, try and apply these few points, four points to your life. And God will help you through it. Or God will move it. But God will definitely intervene. He's faithful and we can trust Him. Every moment of our lives, He's a good God. He loves us.
and He wants the very best for each and every one of us. Don't let that giant problem that you're facing go with you wherever you go. Don't let it bring you into a bondage of fear. But this morning, even in this service, we can pray. Pray that God will either remove that problem, resolve it, or give you great faith to face it, whatever it may be. All of us have problems. The oldest book in the Bible says from the very beginning there are problems. But oh, we serve a God who's a problem solver. Hallelujah.